back in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and across the Virginia Talk Radio Network. Plenty to get to two weeks away from the start of the high school football season, regular season, that is. Scrimmages tonight, benefit games next weekend, and those are all topics that we will address shortly with WSET's Dave Walls, who's with us here in the fast lane. Dave, good to be speaking with you. It's not the most uh, upstanding or not the most uh, positive start to the show, but a realistic one, and that is just the tragedy over the last week of Liberty University offensive lineman Taj Boyd passing away unexpectedly and head football coach Jamie Chadwell meeting with the media earlier today and you know the inevitable grieving process. And you know, from just a human emotion standpoint, uh, it goes without saying, but your heart clearly has to go out to Liberty University and uh, particularly the players and the family and friends of Taj Boyd when something like this pops up uh, as unexpectedly as it did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's one of those cases where the team really needed to uh, shut out the talk from everybody else. And just, uh, you know, as Coach Chadwell said today, just kind of love on themselves a little bit and just, you know, be together. Because this is, you know, the, the double-edged sword here is obviously you're going through a tremendous loss of a very – uh, talented and promising uh, young star for the team, you know, uh, just on the field. But, you know, someone you've also grown closer over the last couple months, yet at the same time, you know, we're, what, three weeks away from the start of the regular season, and you've got to somehow be able to focus, uh, try to focus on just improving as a football team. And that is a monumental task for any coaching staff or any players involved in this. Whether or not you knew Taj well or not, you know, on the team, you know, he's a he's a part of your family, and it hits everyone differently. Everyone grieves differently, and so there's like a like Coach Chadwell said today, there is no playbook on how to handle this. Everyone's going to handle it differently, but I think the conversation that you know he uh, let us all in on today, you know, on how they're letting their emotions out, they're trying to handle on on a case by case basis, and just lean and rely on their faith in each other. I think that's about the best you can do in this time. Yeah, I mean, it really is, and that's what it is uh, for Liberty. And I think the biggest challenge, at least that jumped out to me, is the fact that, uh, you know, not that ever any grieving process is traditional, but in a lot of cases, the grieving can happen, you know, at the end of the season or in the offseason, and not that there's ever a good time for any of this to pop up, because obviously there's not. But for Liberty, the challenge is it's at the beginning of the season when, you know, you are trying to juggle the, the mission of, playing and preparing for games and giving the best of your ability while going through this. And that makes it ever more complex for a team right now uh, going through all the changes on the field and in the off-field football-related stuff to add this totally sad and unexpected wrinkle to the mix. You're right. You know, and that was another party you had mentioned today that, again, you know, everybody grieves in different ways, you know, not just on a football team, but in life. But, you know, when someone's having a bad day of practice, now they have to consider, is it because, you know, he was close to Taj? Is it just a, the grief is hitting him today? Is, is his mind not here because it's somewhere else because of this? And, you know, that's the hurdles that they've had to overcome this week, you know. And uh, it's not easy for any coach, player, anyone involved with the program to get through right now. Someone who had a tremendous amount of talent coming out of Oscar Smith. Uh, and speaking with our sister station in Virginia Beach about him, I mean, they called him Big Baby, but, you know, when he was on the field, just looking at the video of him, you know, a tremendous amount of talent. You know, ACC schools had wanted him. He had offers in the SEC, and he still chose the Liberty because he wanted to stay in state and, you know, be closer to his family, and he thought that, that would be the best way to go. And he had his passions. He had a very vibrant personality and just taken far, far too soon. Indeed, he was, as Taj Boyd, the Liberty offensive lineman, 
passed away last weekend, and obviously it came to light, uh, you know, a couple days later. But most notably, it came to uh, to something where Liberty finally addresses the media, and understandably so. The delay in this—that's that comment is not to throw shade at Liberty. The delay in it, uh, but just getting everything lined up and being able to be prepared to address that and to address that type of situation is we're doing that with WSET's Dave Walls here in the fast lane. Dave, uh, there's no easy way to pivot out of this. There's no smooth way to pivot away from the topic with Liberty University, and certainly there's time to look at the on-field outlook for the Flames, even how this uh, you know this sad wrinkle impacts that. But high school football, we're two weeks away from the start of the regular season, a week away from benefit games and scrimmages are taking place throughout the region this evening. You have now had a chance to get to look at the teams uh, so far in the area. Uh, we'll start off with preconceived thoughts and biases on that. Bias may be a harsh word, but we're going to use it for the sake of this anyway. Thoughts you had on teams in the area, particularly who will be good, that have been confirmed by going around and visiting camps. Uh, boy, you know, the, I, the competition level, I think, across the board uh, has really taken a step up this year. Uh, the numbers are up for the most part across programs, even programs that traditionally have struggled, you know, to find depth, you know, to be able to draw more kids out or getting at least a little bit more, you know, and I've seen some more schools being able to expand their JV program. So I think that's going to go a long way towards just more competitive football uh, moving forward. As far as preconceived notions, um, uh, Glass looks really good to me so far. In fact, the whole Seminole District, honestly, looks pretty fantastic. Um, you know, Heritage, you know, while they're young, they've got some dazzling talent. But players who have plenty of experience at the varsity level, just maybe not starting. Uh, but you know, a lot of quarterback battles, I think, will make things interesting because Heritage, Glass... Uh, who else? Oh, I just went out of my head. Heritage last who did I see? LCA, who I'm previewing tonight. They've all got new starting quarterbacks in, so there's a little bit of uncertainty there. But uh, overall, the talent looks really, really good in in Lynchburg. If we're sticking to that that region, uh, the competition is going to be very good. And Jefferson Forest, I was very, very impressed by larger numbers that I've seen from them in a while. Coach JT Cruz is a three-year starter, and Josiah Bell, who uh, looks like he's just gotten bigger and stronger. Whenever I have to look up at a starting quarterback, he's uh, definitely put, put on some size, but the arm is there and still quite mobile. So uh, the Seminole is going to be murderer's row, quite frankly, this year. And uh, whoever comes out on top is definitely going to earn it. Dave, when you bring up that point, I mean, you're not short like Trey Lyle and I are. I mean, we're you know, both under six feet tall. Taking strays here, man. No, because taking I'm saying, strays. Trey is self-deprecating as well. Yeah, but yeah, but you you, you could have just said I'm short. I mean, but I'm taking the heat myself. But that's called you. Yeah, again, you could have said I'm short. That's you taking the heat, but you had to include me. That's me getting astray. I mean, I guess technically you're right. I'm only six two, and that's when I'm not wearing the heels. So it's okay. I understand. Whatever. You're tall. You're you're tall, Dave. So er. th- yeah, thank you. You're taller than Trey and I are. My gosh, I didn't think I'd find myself in this hot water. Trey just woke up from his slumber over there. No, I was just I was just listening. I was so, locked right. in. Then, then I'm going to go a different route. You're like your dog, Hokey. You're just sitting there ready to pounce. Unfortunately, Hokey waits for my food to drop, and it's usually like carrots and hummus, so he's like turned off by it. But nevertheless, that's where we are, Dave, with that. You brought up the interesting team. We can get into that right now, but as it – goes into the Seminole District. You mentioned the teams that have been good and are still expected to be good that you've seen so far in this particular area. 
What more do you gain tonight with scrimmages? Or, and I'm going to put myself in this category, do you fall into the category that you look at scrimmages tonight and you can get a little bit of insight, but once we get to a benefit game next week, and it may not be the full playbook, it may not be all the starters going all the time, but you have a much better feel for what a team will be in a week or so. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a wait-and-see kind of guy. I will go to the scrimmages tonight. I will uh, I will take a little more stock into the benefits, and then I'll kind of merge everything I've seen from camp and the benefits together. Um, you know, But this is certainly another step in that uh, progression, if you will. You know, There's certainly one thing about playing each other, you're scrimmaging against each other on a daily practice, but then when you're seeing someone else in a different color jersey, that intensity does go up a little bit. Again, it's not... Friday night where the lights are on and the cameras are out there, but certainly it's a step up that you've got to make if you're going to make that step. And, you know, and there are some teams who still have something to prove, but, you know, the expectations early from camp, you know, ha have those expectations high for a reason. So I think, uh, you know, for teams like Brookville, who's got plenty of potential and just needs to start uh, doing it on the field. They've got some speed. Uh, their wide receiver depth is fantastic. For Jefferson Forrest, for the expectations I've got from them coming out of camp, you know, JT Cruz, has, they've been building something and they've been making steps record-wise and talent-wise over the last couple of years. You know, this is that thing, year for, especially for JF, where they've had starters now out for three seasons. You know, a lot of the people come back started as sophomores, maybe even as freshmen. Now they're building up into upperclassmen. So this is the time where that fruit is really going to start to ripen and, and blossom here, and they've, and they've got to take advantage while they can. So you start to evaluate tonight. You get a little bit more, and then you can really start to form that final opinion right before kickoff on week one. Indeed. We're getting ever closer to that particular point. Dave, I know you have not seen everybody for WSET in your coverage of uh, Friday football, which begins uh, – is it tonight where you have your first football Friday, or is that uh, next week for benefit week or two weeks from the opening week? First of all, plug your great work that you and Will Stafford and your colleagues are doing for this. No, we're gonna, the first full football Friday is week one. That's August 25th, two weeks from tonight. But we've got uh, previews of teams every night at 6 and 11 leading up through week one and then throughout that weekend. There's 17 straight days of football camps. So uh, we haven't, we've almost seen everyone in our area, not quite, but uh, you know, we were out at Amherst County today with first year coach Chris Moore. Saw Russ Bird the other day, uh, GW. I mean, we're making our way all the way around Woodsburg, Roanoke, and Daniel. So not quite there yet, but we're getting there. Indeed. Yes, we are. We're getting there in two weeks from today at 6.30. It'll be our East Coast Wings and Grill tailgate show for our 10th season of Jefferson Forest Cavalier football presented this year by TrostLaw.com as Gretna and JF get ready to square off in that one. You mentioned Amherst, new coach. EC Glass, new coaching staff as well. Games will be a telltale sign, even scrimmages tonight and benefit games next week. But how are you evaluating the way that teams have adapted in the early going to new coaches in the area? You know, it's interesting. We have more coaching first-year coaches this year who are taking over teams that – frankly, are in good situations. You know, uh, Jamar Loveless, who kind of rebuilt William Fleming into a winner over the last couple of years, comes into glass, taking over a Hilltoppers team that made it to States for the first time since 95. I mean, and then uh, Chris Moore out at Amherst comes down from VMI. He's an Amherst native, but... You know, Bob Christmas's staff did a good job of kind of building back up Amherst a little bit and getting them into the playoffs. And, so, and he's taking over a program that brings in 
plenty of experience. He's got some great starters, especially a quarterback. So, you know, you kind of have to look at where they were and try to evaluate what room for improvement there is. You know, for Glass, uh, you know, for me, I thought it was a lot of uh, self-inflicted penalties that kind of hurt him a little bit down the stretch, you know, know, bending a little bit too much defensively at times, you know, and and building off that for Amherst, you know, there was also a discipline issue in the past and decision-making, but again, it was a younger team that I think uh, was maturing nicely and they had him on the right path. So now, how far of a step do they take up in year one of Chris Moore? And I think that's what you have to look at, you know, where the program was, what they already had in place, and the steps they make this year. So uh, that's kind of what makes this job, this job fun, you know, uh, watching uh, how these coaches and how these players respond to changing situations. It is fun, and that's really one of the cool parts to this, and there's turnover and change, and you've outlined some optimism with dark horse candidates and teams that may surprise in a good way and all the uh, things that have turned over over the last handful of weeks dave uh appreciate your time today in the fast lane thank you much for lending your perspective and glad to see that you're back and doing well enough to be at full stature where you are taller than myself and maybe somebody else part of the fast lane team as well I'm glad to see you guys are already in uh, mid-season form as far as fighting. You need to pace yourself a little bit on that, but I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Indeed. Glad it's Friday, Dave. Dave, Glad it's Friday. Trey is ready to get out of my presence for a couple of days. No doubt about that. Um, Before we get to the Fast Five at Five-ish as well, speaking of getting out of things, do you need to get out of the house to have a good time over the weekend? It's easy to do that. See, here's the thing. When you go to InsaneRadioDeals.com, there are many options to alleviate those missed opportunities that you might find yourself facing. Lynchburg Hillcats, general admission tickets, and reserve seating tickets with a $10 food voucher. Both options, no less. Per ticket, less than 10 bucks. That is well over 50% off the value. Because we want you to have a good time as the season gets ready to come to an end. But as Billy Mays, RIP, God rest his soul, would say, that's not all. There's more, like Sequest of Lynchburg, the ways to get away at Sequest of Lynchburg. Maybe you want to have a good time by going out to dinner with that special someone or a friend or multiple friends. Grays on 5th Street gift certificates. Maybe you need to make over how you look at the Lotus Beauty Bar, or perhaps you want to go out, have a great Saturday at Get Air Lynchburg, or excuse me, Sequest of Lynchburg. I think the Get Air stuff is gone uh, at InsaneRadioDeals.com. I'm getting the thumbs up that that is gone, the Get Air Lynchburg. So, Sequest of Lynchburg. And I'll then, double check. No problem. Thank you, Trey. Here's the cool thing, though. Marsh Roots Yes, seafood, it's gone. And that's what I thought. Marsh Roots Seafood as well. So you can go back, get some seafood, and then cook up a lovely meal with your family, friends, and enjoy yourself. Because we want you to have a good time at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Now there are other topics to address, including another note relative to Liberty offensive line play. uh, Maybe more impactful for the season than many of the other injuries that have popped up within the Liberty football program to kick things off in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. An interesting nugget. And by the way, credit to Jamie Chabwell of Liberty University. He had this little stick-it note that he brought into his press conference today. And predictably, if you go online and watch it, the majority of it is about the 
tragedy of the passing of Taj Boyd and how things have unfolded with Liberty's football program since then. And I thought Chabo did a really good job of addressing all that. But he was willing to come out and mention a number of different injuries. The most notable one is the one that you'll probably remember. Brandon Schlittler, who will be out for the year as one of Liberty's starting offensive linemen. Uh, a couple things pop out. One, a shout out to our friends at a seaofred.com because they've had live with 55 the last couple of years with Brandon Schlittler and uh, no word on whether that will continue or not this year. Um, no, even if Schlittler it does not come back to Liberty, more on that in a moment, uh, uh, he is a, an insightful enough guy that I think especially as he gets further away from playing could really provide some candid analysis uh, if he ever wanted to go into the analytical side of things uh, and the media side from Liberty. And there are plenty of players that could fit that description. Also for Liberty, here's another one. By the way, Schlittler didn't give a ton in terms of state secrets, but uh, there was enough there where you can realize, uh, and I've been around him in uh, non-miked up situations to realize that uh, I think there's enough potential there if that's the route he wants to go. Will it be next year or another year after that? Interesting, because he would theoretically be eligible to apply for a medical hardship waiver. But you're talking about a guy at this point that would be in his mid-20s. He's going to be married by the time next season rolls around. And I don't mean this disrespectfully to Brandon Schlittler, but if you look at the measurables and his skill set, good offensive lineman for Liberty, very stable piece. But he's not a guy that, to me, jumps out as pro-NFL material. Now, if you add enough pounds to get over 300 consistently, 310, 315, he's clearly got the intelligence and the tenacity. And if he could play center to go along with his ability in the guard spot, I think he can make a, a run of it in the NFL. Now, you've got to have all that to go together. It's a lot easier said than done, but that is one other thing that is worth monitoring uh, on the offensive line with Liberty University. Speaking of colleges and programs. Number four. Of course, somebody in politics had to get involved in college football realignment. Virginia Attorney General Jason Miaris has warned, that's not my words, that's from Cardinal News, has warned that neither the University of Virginia nor Virginia Tech should do anything in regard to conference realignment that hurts the other school. Um, Newsflash, you can say that, but I don't know what leverage you exactly have to go about doing that. One note, though, remember, we've said this before, it was Mark Warner who basically reminded the Virginia Board of Visitors, I think it's what they're called up there. That are in control of both schools. Yes. I believe, right? Uh, it's similar to like how Arizona and Arizona State are tied together. Correct. And both of them ended up going together to the Big 12. Which they, always was going to happen. Correct. But that Virginia didn't want Virginia Tech in the ACC. And Mark Warner had to remind the Virginia Board of Visitors, um, with all due respect, I have a lot of control over how much funding your school gets and who's in this particular role. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And just keep in mind who's leading the Commonwealth of Virginia with Jason Biaris. If it matches up with the political party, and that is always worth monitoring, then inevitably those words carry a little bit more teeth. Now, should politicians be involved in this type of stuff? You could certainly argue it, but there's also the state effect of, hey, if more money comes into those programs and it can up the overall quality of revenue at at Virginia and Virginia Tech, unlike Rutgers, who has lost millions of dollars, great article on theathletic.com on that, but if you can make this a positive financial decision, then yeah, I think there's merit to what Jason Yaris is saying, but if it's just for the elements of pride, that's when you go, okay, really, we're just puffing our chest as a politician? I was going to say, same case goes for like North Carolina and North Carolina State, I believe, as well. The ACC will be a theme in our votes of confidence coming up momentarily, but another theme is NASCAR, and we get to that in... Number three. Shane Van Gisbergen, SVG, finalizing a deal 
to compete for dun, 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 track house racing next year and a full-scale developmental deal that will bring him full-time to nascar's cup series i mean call me jaded trey but he after he won at chicago people saw a path for van ginsbergen to come in is he going to be the dominant road course driver for an eternity no but he clearly knows what to do on a street course. The Chicago street race was a success, and even if politics move it from there, I think the concept goes with NASCAR elsewhere, which means he could be in the 91 car for Trackhouse, and if they just win that, they get another car or a car guaranteed into the NASCAR playoffs. Well, let me fine wait. With, hold on, hold on, just again, for small teams. That's why it makes sense to have this type of move. Trey? Uh, I don't think he's going to be full-time in the Cup Series. I think it's full-time NASCAR. I think he's going to be at least one year. Periodically moving from series to series, so it's not a full full time deal in the Cup Series. Because reminder, Trackhouse does not have a third charter, so he doesn't have space for him to run full time in Cup yet. So, so want to note your point is sort of right, but also not right in terms of he if he he's not going to run all the races, so he can't make the playoffs. Well, I mean, it's it's a lot more obstacle filled for him to run all the races because he's not guaranteed entry into it, and therefore teams could still try to qualify for every race, but that becomes real complicated and yeah. complicated and when you factor in, the, and we've seen this in NASCAR, if qualifying gets rained out, if you don't have the charter, it can put you behind the eight ball. Well, they should be fine that way um, because it, that's only if there's more than... 39 cars each week which i don't think there will be but from a financial sense it just doesn't make sense because of the lack of money you get from being an open car each week is yeah, I mean, my understanding well no completely because you you lack the funds that come from having a charter which gives you access to that money that comes in from nascar and it's part in terms of prize money after the race yes, that's in terms what i'm of, in terms referring of prize to money and yes you can laugh about that because teams want to win but every team is a business and as we've seen in college sports and in nascar since they're moving billboards for crying out loud they are motivated by as much as winning they are motivated by dollar dollar bills y'all yes a sophisticated australian or new zealand nascar driver gets associated with the ever sophisticated folk hero of ours the fictional character kenny powers number two speaking of our votes of confidence we might as well get to sports betting themed content in number two billy walters in his new book gambler has really gone after phil mickelson who he says believe the golfer bet $1 billion on sports over the last three decades. That is a, obviously, a lot of money. And yes, Phil Mickelson could have won that money, surely. But you're talking about if you average that out just over, let's just say, a 20-year period. You're you know, kind of bookending to get to a three decades. That's five fifty million million a year on average. Uh, hello. Granted, you may be winning some, but there's a lot of losses that pile up, which is why you would get yourself into trouble. And we know Phil Mickelson has been in hot water for that. Whether it's that or the live golf situation or the fact that his nickname on the tour has been Fig Jam, which is bleep, I'm good, just ask me. It is the cautionary tale of cautionary tales. When something appears to be too crystal clean and squeaky, squeaky clean and crystal clear and too good to be true, it's not always the case, but with Phil Mickelson, it clearly seems like that has been the case. And number one on the Fast Five at five -ish. Appropriately sticking with the sports betting theme. In 2022, according to David Purdom, veteran sports betting columnist, 16.4% of NFL games ended with the margin of three. 8.2% of NFL games ended with the margin of seven. So if you're talking about 
a sports league and a sports property where that number can matter oh so much, that is big. Almost a quarter of the games in the NFL end on those particular numbers. The glory is seven and three, if you will. So true. And that's why it's worth, in that sport in particular, every point and half point matters, particularly in and around those numbers. Speaking of numbers and sports betting, and there is your Fast Five at five-ish. Trey and I will get to that in our Votes of Confidence next here in the Fast Lane. 